This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. podcast and we are back talking more world cup uh this is andrew and i got spencer here with me spencer what's going on buddy andrew me boy how we doing man doing well doing well and it has been a minute you've heard our uh we had our emergency pod on friday there but we kind of wanted to catch up on the rest of the world cup today because holy cow what a tournament apparently Apparently, I've been told there's more teams in this tournament than just the United States, and us as a soccer podcast are obligated to talk about the rest of them. Right, and and not just the USA opponents, because my first thought was like, oh, well, yeah, sure, the U.S. has to play someone. As much fun as it would be to watch a scrimmage, you know, that could be the World Cup on its own. But it's been insane, man. I like. I feel like half the time I've woken up to an insane game at four in the morning. Which and we're starting to like finally see some goals, you know. Today there was yeah. the there was the three three today. There was a three two today. We were complaining last week on the pod, and I believe even in our rea- reaction pod the other day that a lot of these teams aren't scoring. And now we're starting to see some goals finally. Not from everybody. There's still some turgid teams out there, but you know, a little bit of goals. It's it gets it a little more fun. I always feel like goals are fun, man. Yeah, I, I they're, they're, they're literally the goal. Um, they're what I'm most excited about for soccer games, and like, you know, it's a it's something we come up. I know me and you are both a lot of times the uh, the soccer fan in like the group message or the group of friends, right? So you end up like, I know I do defending soccer a lot, right? To people who don't always watch, um, and it has been very nice to be like, look, three three right over here. You don't have to. Ignore these zero zero games. Ignore these nil nil games that you weren't going to get anything out of. You good dumb American sports fan. Look at all the goals. They're so pretty. Look over here, shiny object. We got you. Yeah, I, I decided I'm just tired of the whole debate about trying to make people like soccer, like people in the U.S. that complained about the nil nil against England. This is boring. Like it's the most hyped up game at zero zero. Uh, you know what? You're gonna like it or you're not, man. <laughs> Somebody I heard on a, another platform say something about how can you watch a pitcher pitch into like the eighth inning of a zero zero game in August when it's ninety eight degrees outside, and I think that's a beautiful comparison. Baseball, I love it. Don't get me wrong, I love right. me some baseball, but it is eternally boring at times. Soccer can do the same. Every sport can be boring at times. I'm done defending it, man. I I don't have time for the argument <laughs> anymore. That said, follow us on Twitter for more arguments. Keep listening to the pod for way more arguments about soccer. Plenty of arguments at Fish Fries Pod. <laughs> it's actually mostly arguments. Occasionally we let you know something fun, but it's it's mostly arguments. I like the beef, man. I like the beef. <laughs> Speaking of beef, should we get into kind of the beefiest game, especially pre-tournament here in the group stages. Uh, oh, what a transition, yeah, Andrew, man, me boy. Germany, We're coming Spain. in hot today. Coming in hot. Germany, Spain, Spencer. What do we think, man? 
I think that Germany will be counting their blessings that they are still alive in this tournament because Alvaro Morata almost sent them home crying. Uh, oh, you forgot about full Krug. Full Krug oh. saved all the tears. No German tears yet. Uh, we're not yet to two straight World Cups that they're eliminated, but they have to take care of some business on the last day against Costa Rica. But this game in particular... You know, the longer we get into this tournament, my take on Spain is looking worse and worse, Andrew, from before we started here. That Spanish team, I thought maybe they were a tournament too early. I am not too proud to admit that I need to eat some crow on that one. They look really, really good, Andrew. Well, and like, I, I know I was raving all about that midfield, and that midfield has been absolutely insane watching Pedri and Gavi and just thinking like, oh, we're going to be watching Spain do this again for another 15 years of international soccer. Like they're just going to have the best midfielders. And they've kind of really, especially like Gavi, I think just a lot of people haven't seen him as much, right? Pedri's been around for a little bit. He's kind of got the name brand recognition, but Gavi's just been, they're so fun to watch in the midfield, man. They're so fun to watch. They still got your boy Busquets, and they got Rodri, everyone's favorite center back. Um, do you think that's why Eric Garcia left Man City is because Pep kept threatening to put Rod- <laughs> Rodri back at center back? I think Pep could have threatened to put anybody at center back over Eric Garcia, and he's not playing for Spain either. So at least they got that right. Why he's in the squad, I don't know, but. Overall, this yeah, the Spanish team, they're making me eat crow, man. They look really, really good out there. I do think it's tough to say. Let me preface this by saying the Murata finish was really, really nice. I actually really thought yeah. that was a nice finish. Um, in addition, this is tough to say about a team that scored seven goals in the first game against Costa Rica, but Costa Rica were just absolutely abhorrent. <laughs> so they were so bad. Um, yeah, they, they were terrible. So, I, so I'm going to say this and, you know, maybe if you look at it, you say this team scored eight goals in two games, what are you talking about? I think I still am a tiny bit worried about where the goals might come from. And that's, like I said, sounds insane to say about the team that scored legitimately the most goals in the tournament so far. But, uh, like yesterday, I thought they could have had some more goals against Germany. Um, they probably could have maybe put that game away. They left, let, like they let the Germans stay in it, and the Germans full crew pulled one back, and it's a draw instead of a win, and it's where we are. Yeah, I, I think that's it's one of those games that felt like sixty plus minutes ish. It should be a Spain one nil, two nil win, like a comprehensive kind of win, and then they Jamal Musiala, man, like. Jamal Musiala heard me talking about Pedri and Gavi and was like, I also would like to be an elite midfield attacking type player. He was incredible, just creating a lot for them. And then like, I know, I know not everybody knows about like full Krug being a, a sub in this game only because Timo Werner got hurt plays for Werder Bremen, which is like calling up a guy from double a basically in the world series and being like, we really need a left hand in the bullpen here. You know, you're going to be praise at Werder Bremen. (laughs) Well, Bremen, hey, look, man, if they got other players playing in this world tournament, congratulations. But I sure don't know who they are off the top of my head. Well, if Josh Sargent was still there, he'd definitely be playing for us. (laughs) Uh, Now a shot back at us. Um, But, but like, really, I bring all that up to say, like, 
to have him score a goal for a huge team that absolutely needs it was like a really fun special, just like a fun sports moment, right? To have a guy like that. Yeah, I heard a stat that he was like, I believe the youngest player or the oldest player, I'm sorry, to be called up by the German squad since 2001 or something. For for their debut, for their debut. For their debut, yeah. I I, I can't profess to say I'm exactly sure how old he is. I believe he's in his late 20s though, but yeah, it's just a really awesome story. It was a really cool moment just to see him score that goal for that team in that moment. Uh, I, I saw an article about... Or maybe it was a tweet, whatever. But they kind of went on, on the fact that neither of these teams were able to score before they bought a striker, and they both bought strikers in later in the game, and both those strikers scored. So who would have known? Strikers still kind of important in this modern era of quote strikerless football that teams try to play sometimes. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I I think it's an awesome story with full crew Murata. Like I said, it's kind of an awesome story for him too. Like on a lesser scale, obviously, this is a guy that was supposed to be good many times mm-hmm. over at many big clubs, but he's yeah. fallen out of favor. He keeps going to big clubs. I don't know how and failing yeah. at every single one of them, but for things yeah. like this, he comes up big mm-hmm. in big moments, right? Like I know, I, I know, I know the history cause Chelsea bought him. And I think we've even talked about it on here before, but like he comes up huge in, I think it's the champions league final, right. For Juve. And all of a sudden Chelsea's got to have him. Right. And they spend the big money and it doesn't work out. So like Todd, remember, buddy, Todd Bowley, Chelsea owner, just because he scored here doesn't mean we have to buy him. a Marauder revenge tour. I mean, if it's better than Aubameyang, I guess. Um, I was going to say, you guys need a nine. He's, he's, he's better than Aubameyang and Ronaldo. So I guess if, if, if Todd's got that itchy trigger finger and he's thinking about those three options, Bring in Murata, give him the number nine. Oh, it'll be beautiful. Any there's there's Chelsea fans rolling over in their graves right now, like just legitimately screaming, pounding their steering wheels, driving down the road. No, Andrew, no. (laughs) Listen, I can't. I can't have. Okay, we can't get into the Cristiano Ronaldo thing. It'll send me into an emotional blender. Ah, we'll get there. We'll get there. You're skipping uh, ahead, buddy. We got that group coming. Not, not from a Chelsea perspective. I'm happy to talk about no. it in literally any other context. It might come up. We'll um, see. Any Stay any tuned. other games? <laughs> any other big games you want to kind of touch on in this group here? Yeah, I think we just need to rewind a bit since this was after we recorded the last time. Obviously, the reason Germany was in this tough scenario points-wise is that they lost to Japan, Andrew, 2-1. And for 72 hours, Japan made me look really, 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 really smart. And then they went out and lost to Costa Rica, who got beat 7-0 by Spain You know, 72 hours prior. So thanks, Japan. You made me look smart for a while. Then you blew it. And now, realistically, you probably don't look too good to get out of this group. Well, and just the way that it's going, it clearly means they're going to put Spain in some sort of vortex of pain here, right? Just to even it out, right? They'll look great against Spain, lose to Costa Rica, and beat Germany. It'll be, it'll be, it'll just be the cycle will continue. But yeah, no, that was a crazy game. The late winner uh, for Asano, but Japan was the better team in that game. Yeah, we referenced the crazy thing. Yeah, we referenced in our previews about them being kind of Brighton-y, and this was a very Brighton-y game where, like a Brighton versus a 
who am I going to shit on today? A Brighton versus a Norwich type game or something. No, Norwich just leaks goals. That's probably not fair to Norwich. If Burnley was still in the first division, though, like a Brighton versus Burnley <laughs> where Sean Dyche lines him up, 4-4-2, sit behind him, don't do anything the entire game. Brighton gets about 70 scoring chances, can't convert, really sloppy in, with their final balls. And, oh, you know, Chris Woods, now of Newcastle, but formerly of Burnley, sitting up top and he finds a random ball at his feet and fires at home and Burnley win one nothing. And that's kind of how I felt about this Costa Rica versus Japan game, Andrew. Side note, how long you hate Burnley, for everyone who doesn't know. You really hate Burnley. You really hate negative soccer in that way. How long does it take a guy like Chris Wood to get that Burnley stink off of him? Like two teams? Like how long before you're like not holding it against them that that's kind of where they made their uh, made their name? He's spoiled goods, Andrew. Basically, and he the only person that might not be spoiled goods from Burnley to me Vincent is uh, Company. Well, the captain, he, your boy. They went to hey Pep. Who can we get that's really going to bring in the Burnley values of sitting behind the ball and being negative? And they were like, I've got one of Spencer's favorite players of all time. Here you go, yeah. boys. I don't know. Just just because his name just because his name came up, I feel like we should say to do this really quick. Did you see they asked him, I believe it was on British television, they asked Vincent Company about Oh, you're going to sign Ronaldo after the whole Manchester United falling out thing? And he goes, we need players that can run at Burnley. I was laughing so hard at that. but We need players a- that can stand at Burnley. <laughs> we need players- Under Sean Dice. Under Sean Dice, maybe. But Vincent Company is playing that progressive football at Burnley now. So well, I guess not. Pro- pro- progressive at Burnley and progressive football, I think, are two different things, man. You got to walk before you can run and you got to stand up before you dive at kneecaps trying to block shots. So you got to start somewhere. We got to <laughs> stop. Just, we, yeah. We, 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 abs- this is more Burnley talk than any yeah, We've, we've turned really Germany, good. Spain talk into Burnley and talk. So, so that's just sad. great work by us. <laughs> but yeah, to round out Group E really quick, yeah, just going that last day. If Germany can beat Costa Rica, which on paper, I, I'm going to say this loosely mm-hmm. because this World Cup has been crazy. But on paper, you would have to like Germany to do that. And should they do that? And Japan. Japan can't tie. Japan has to. If it, if if Japan ties Spain, right, even if Germany beats Costa Rica, right, they'll have a negative goal difference, right? Germany's goal difference right now is negative one. So Germany would have to win by two and Japan would have to tie, right? It's like yeah. the best that they can do. But Yeah, it's, Japan it's, will be looking for a result, which honestly, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not fancying them to do it, but I think there is maybe something to this Japanese team being better against teams that are a bit more positive. Um, I, the, the type of The type of like team they have, I could see it them struggling to break down a team kind of, but if they're playing more on the counterattack like they were against Germany, they might have a chance to nick something. So that group's got a lot to play for going into the final match day. And and to be honest, like every group does, and that's partly why this tournament's so insane. But um going into group F here where you've got Croatia, Morocco, Belgium, and Canada. And I gotta say, I think we both definitely thought Belgium would be sitting top here. Um and they are not. Spencer, what do we think here, buddy? I have heard a lot of takes about this Belgian team, and 
I'm not going to sit here and completely defend them. They looked bad against Canada. They grinded out a result. They did not look good against Morocco, but I, I've heard a lot of people, you look at a 2 nothing, and a lot of people are like, they were so, so poor. I thought they were okay. And I, don't take that as they were good. They were okay. They had a chance to win that game. They kind of all fell asleep on a goal against Morocco on a set piece. Mm-hmm. And then Morocco nicked another one right at the end, kind of a gun, like the counterattack. So it's a great result for Morocco. I don't mean to belittle Morocco at all. Uh, mm-hmm. It's more to say Belgium's next game and their last game in this group, and they'll have they'll go through should they win it is against Croatia. And Croatia's looked very good. We'll get into them in a second. I, I I don't think that this is. A lot of people have written off this Belgian team, and maybe I have just blind allegiance to thinking this team's good. I'm not writing Belgium off quite yet, but they're going to need to figure a few things out. Um, I think they need to start Trossard over Hazard, I would say, is one big thing with them. And then last game, uh, that set piece they fell asleep on that I referenced a minute ago, Thomas Mounier, they had playing right center back in their back three, and he gave away a bad foul for that set piece. So yeah. that's that's not his normal position. I understand trying to get him and Castagnan, like both in the team, but maybe adjust that. I, I think they have a chance to do something against Croatia. They absolutely have a chance. I think the super frustrating thing about Belgium is you look at the names on the team sheet, and you're always going to be disappointed because when you just list the lineup and it starts with Kevin De Bruyne, Edward Eden Hazard's not what he has been, but you look at that on the team sheet and you go, well, he'd start for Croatia, he'd start for Morocco, he'd start for Canada, right? Even in kind of his little lesser form, right? It's and Thibaut Courtois. They've got literal world class players all over the field, right? It's always they're kind of just set up to fail in that way, right? If they were top of the group, six points. I don't know that we'd be talking about Belgium like, oh, what a showing, right? You say they win two one and three nothing right, in their first two games. I don't know that we'd be talking about them as world beaters. I think we still might be kind of sitting here going, I don't know, they're not playing well. What's really worrying to me is, like, it's almost like KDB's, like, trying to do too much, which I didn't think I could ever say, like, him trying to be too much and too creative and too perfect would be a problem for a team, but he's kind of trying to carry them, and it's not not working. Yeah, I think... When it comes to De Bruyne, like I see it sometimes at City, where if the rest of the team's a bit off of it, he's and don't get me wrong, he can have bad days. He has bad days at the office. He wasn't particularly good in that Morocco game, but he made a couple like nice passes still, and they're just not linking up well. Like the attack in the midfield seems to not be linking. Uh, Lukaku's obviously not fit, one hundred percent fit at least. Batch UI in that Canada game, particularly, he scored a goal and Mm -hmm. that was great. But, you know, some of his touches, man, some of his first touches, they're like going into row 12 and (laughs) in the stands there. I think it's got to be frustrating for a guy like Kevin. He obviously had those comments about we're too old to win. And I don't know what that is. I saw things about there. They're fighting in the locker room, him for Tongan and Hazard. I, I, I just, there seems to be a lot going on with this team. I, I think Roberto Martinez has been there for a long time, maybe too long at this point. This team just seems like they got a lot of problems, and I don't know. Maybe the talent finds a way. I still think they have a chance, but I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. 
they they, they absolutely <clears throat> have a chance. But I'm with you, man. Like to not have I think the weight of like you've never won anything and you're this golden generation is really weighing on this whole team. Cause guys I think of as like completely solid and good players for them are just not doing well. Like you talk about Mounier, right? He's been a staple in the team for what, like eight years, it seems like, right? Maybe give or take. But to have him playing out of position, which, you know, he's done before, right? He can do it. It's not his place on the field. But, like, you know, he's not a – it's not a total disaster when you say Mounier played center back. It's like, okay, I'm sure something happened and they had to do it. But um, he's given up free kicks. And then just, like, you talk about Bash White. And, listen, man, he is all-time – he can finish, and I don't know what else he does, and people must, like, he must be the worst player ever in practice. Because, like, he'll get in, he gets in the games, he used to get in the games for Chelsea, and, like, he'd score. You talk about, like, a friendly when he subs on in the 82nd minute, right, in preseason. That's why he had a goal and an assist. He looked incredible. They play him for 90 minutes the whole game. Guy looks like shit, right? Like, he he must just be, like, an incredibly frustrating yet talented player. Because he just never he never comes up big when you need it, right? And he's got he's got their Mishi Betsway has the only goal in a tournament for Belgium right now. That that's the only goal they have. Yeah, not ideal. No, not ideal. And I don't know that Lukaku's gonna ride in on a cape and save him. Like maybe Courtois ties his cape on and you know can draw this out and KDB hits something, you know, from outside the pen or something outside the uh, box on a free kick. But like Croatia is not who they want to be playing right now. Croatia's really, really playing well. Yeah. Let's, let's just segue that straight into Croatia. Mm-hmm. Um, Croatia is playing really well. And John Herdman of Canada said they're going to F Croatia after the Belgium loss. And Croatia was the only one doing any effing on the pitch. 4-1 that fixture <laughs> finished after an early goal, may I oh, say. Oh, it was a hot start, dude. Davies was... It, it was one was of those good. moments, and I think we referenced this last pod where I said, you know, we have a little bit a little bit of Canadian like rooting, rooting interest here. I think it's good for the region. They're like a fun team. They're not super rivalry-like type with the U.S. yet. So I've got a little bit of a soft spot for Canada and Davies goes in in like the fifth minute or something, rising crazy header. That was awesome. But after that, Canada had a couple more scoring chances, but after that it was all Croatia the rest of the game. They four unanswered, looking really good. And Canada is now going home, Andrew. Completely eliminated. A little bit unfair. They were the first team eliminated from the entire tournament. But Canada being the first team eliminated feels it feels bad. I hate having because it was between them and it felt like Costa Rica for like who's going to be the first team eliminated. And obviously both of those are CONCACAF countries. But like (sighs) Alfonso Davies is like a joy to watch play. Right. He clearly loves playing for Canada so much he runs around like an insane person he's at a whole nother level than the rest of his teammates right like Tejan Buchanan maybe he's the only other guy I'd say is kind of up there right when they play and even Jonathan David's been really kind of anonymous in this tournament not doing a whole lot the fact that they brought in Kyle the cycle Laren is not a great sign for him yeah Canada's problem and I think 
if you look at them on paper, you can see that's the problem is obviously their back line's a little bit suspect. Typically, what they've done in CONCACAF qualifying, I feel like, is the midfield's really shielded for that back line. But Croatia's midfield is just so good that it seems they overran it completely. They got to that back line, that most vulnerable part of that team, and they just ripped them apart from there on in. I I mean, I think at the end, obviously, a lot of it was desperation of Canada really trying to nick a goal here or there. And Croatia just continued to be ruthless. I don't think 4-1 is necessarily the most fair result, but this Croatian team's really good. They look really good. And if I'm Belgium, I'm I'm worried about them. Yeah. Because um, the other thing that's crazy is, like, as good as Croatia's looked, they're not in a play – like, they don't have six points. They're not automatically through here, right? Like, Morocco could win and Belgium could win, and all of a sudden Croatia's sitting at home. I think a lot of that has to do with let's move into the last team of this group really quickly. Morocco has been surprisingly good, Andrew. Yeah, I think I think against all odds, kind of right. We were ready to write them off. They had coaching issues, lineup issues heading into the tournament, and they've been solid. They've definitely um, played well. Ziek has played well, which hurts me to say. And I I don't know, man. I I think they've been. I think they've been a really kind of impressive team um, that we weren't looking for. I think my biggest takeaway from them, and I think that makes the Canada game very interesting because I consider Canada quite an energetic team as well, is they're very energetic. They're running around a lot. I I think that's overwhelmed a somewhat slower Belgium lineup in that game when they played each other. I think Croatia, for they have some new youth in the team, but they are an older team that doesn't leak with pace everywhere or anything mm-hmm. it seems morocco's really just had a lot of energy and they've been up for these games and they've caught some teams off guard uh, and they've got just as good a chance as anybody to get through this group now I, I mean you're looking at belgium needs to essentially beat croatia or at least pick up a point to have a chance and they're going against canada who like i said i think that game will be quite interesting the last day uh, it's two very energetic teams going at it. You wonder what Canada might do. I, yeah. I, I think, I honestly think, maybe it's me seeing them in qualifying enough, and at them, it's their first World Cup in a long time. I don't think they want to necessarily go out with a whimper. I don't think it's a mail it in Canada type of game necessarily. But you know, who knows? We'll we'll see what happens. But I think Canada might still be up for that more than like a country that's at this tournament a lot. If you know what I mean. Yeah, um, you have to be excited. Like, Morocco's got to be way happier that they're playing an already eliminated Canada than Belgium is playing a Croatian team that's incredible and fighting for their lives um, in this group. So in this group, right, you would want Morocco's draw over anybody, right? Because there is a chance that just like Alfonso Davies plays hard for 20 minutes and goes, we're losing again or we're not going to win again. I'm good, right? He's coming off an injury. He's coming back. I could see them wanting to make sure he's healthy and everything else, right? He's the future of Canadian soccer. But um, I, I think I do. You think Morocco's gonna get out of here? Is what I is what I keep coming back to. Like Belgium's just played so bad, and they play Croatia. Like, is Morocco gonna just get through? It's totally possible that. I mean, if they pick up a point, they could top the group. If they pick up a point against Canada, the they're in really good shape uh, there's a scenario as as much as we just talk good things about them i mean there's very much a i would say at least 
relatively realistic scenario that Croatia doesn't get through. If they lose to Belgium and Morocco win, right. see you later, Croatia, no matter how good I think they've played in some of these games. So this and group they, is one of those wild true. ones, man, where everything's to play for on the final match day. And I'm pumped that that might be might even be a day where your boy wakes up at fucking 4 a.m. to see a game if it's on at 4 a.m. Well, I, I do think because they have to play all the games from the group at the same time. So I think what they'll do is play the like nine, the like seven o'clock game and the one o'clock game. This is a completely Googleable problem, right? But like, okay, so tomorrow you're totally they're right. They're playing, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have to right because otherwise you can just scoreboard watch and you don't even know what to do. So, example, Iran USA, which we will get into later, I promise. Be patient. Um, and Wales Iran are going to be played at the exact same time. The idea behind that is so that you can't just look at the scoreboard and know exactly what you have to do, right? It's a competitive advantage to play second in this thing. So tomorrow is going to be the first day without a 4 a.m. I completely two at nine, two at one. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. What a point by you, and what a time to be alive that I don't even have to worry about waking up at 4 a.m. or even the yeah. 7 a.m. Start game starts like right as I leave from work, like leave for work. Mm-hmm. So it's quite hard to watch that also. So thank God. 9 a.m. and 1 yeah. way easier. So quick, quick complaint about that. So the 7 o'clock game starts. That is about when I set an alarm for. I have to be at work at 8 o'clock. I can make it if I leave my apartment at 7.45. I can make it perfectly on time to work. And what have they been doing with extra time in this tournament, Spencer? Putting like... 25 minutes a ton of it extra time on it. Well, I'm so I'm getting ready in the morning. I'm listening to the game, right? I have this internal timer of like as soon as I hear 45 down, 45 to go, get in your car and get to work. Nope. I have been almost late like five different times because it's like, and they've added on eight minutes of extra time. And I'm like, shit, running out the door all of a sudden on what was a very like leisurely listen to the game, get ready in the morning. So 10 minute personal, 10 second personal story, but Stop with the extra time at halftime. I fe- Add it all on at the end for I care. It's better for my team. I feel like they've randomly, I don't know, maybe they decided after like the first match day to chill. There's still some big numbers, bigger numbers, but a lot of them I've seen like at the first half, like one minute. It's getting a little less wacky, but I don't know, man. I, you never know. With yeah, they, we'll, we'll have something to talk about with that in a minute too. Yeah, it's it's like a teacher. They're really hard on you for the first month of school so that they can not care as much the rest of it. They were mean to us with extra time in the first couple of games here, and they've kind of chilled out about it. But you catch like like five minutes in a normal non-World Cup soccer game is a lot of added on time at 45 minutes. It's a lot, right? Unless somebody gets injured or something like that. Like They're just like casually like, yep, five minutes of extra time. Like, oh, shit, it's messing me up. This personal attack by FIFA is just another reason to not like FIFA as an organization. I feel attacked right there with you, buddy. But let's keep attacking these groups. That's <laughs> what I say. And let's move into Group yes, G, my friend, where Brazil are really good. Who would have known? I, I for one, was surprised Brazil was very good. Um, jokes aside... Them missing Neymar, um, they've kind of been slow to get into these games, right? They've not exactly, like, fired off in the first, like, 45 minutes where they're putting these games away. And, like, the Switzerland game today was a great example of that. Like, they did not score till late, right? Like, for a game that ended 2-0 and was not – or one, sorry, 1-0 and wasn't overall very competitive, leaving it late for Casemiro to, to 
have an well, actually, that Casemiro goal is a banger. I was going to say it wasn't, but for a banger there without Neymar is like kind of a little bit of a question mark. I know Switzerland's good. They've played well in this tournament before, but I think of them as just like kind of a default organized European team. It's like they have enough talent to like get you on the counter and, you know, put a header in or something like that. But I I was looking for a little bit more Brazilian personality today. You think so? Because I think when I watch this Brazil team play, yeah, the goals are a little harder to find than maybe you'd expect. They got two against Serbia in that first fixture, 2-0 and then 1-0. I think this team is so... Like classic, they're so, so classic yeah. Brazil. There's a lot of flair, lots of back heels, lots of little outside of the foot crosses. It, it's it's poetic football to me. <laughs> I so love nice to game. watch it. It's so fun when there's a lot of teams in international football, and we talk about a lot of them in this tournament that show up. Not to get into Switzerland, but they're somewhat one of them that they're a little more negative and they play to their strengths, which yeah. you can't fault a team for that, but eh, you absolutely can. Yeah, sure. You, but you, Burnley, well, hey, what's Burnley's strength? Spencer? Okay. Never mind. Keep it We're talking about international football, not club football here. Right. You have, you have who you, you have, who you, you can have. sign who you want in club football. Your talent pool is your talent pool in international. So I, I'm more okay with playing uh, to your strengths, but nonetheless, <laughs> My point being, I think this Brazil team is so fun to watch. I, I remember the first few years of me being into the sport, you know, 12, 13 years ago or so. Brazil had, I, I'm not going to say they were ever bad. They're Brazil. They're always good, but they had a bit of a lull, you know, for a few years. And they kind outside of Neymar, Neymar was very good at that time, but they kind of lacked a little bit of that classic Brazilian flair. I think it's back with these guys like Vinny, Richarlison, obviously his goal uh, was in that first Serbia game, that little scissor kick that's probably into, for me, number one for goal of the tournament right now. It's got to be. It's got to be Mr. Uh, Keepy-Uppies himself. Mr. Uh, Even like, like, think about it. We just named three fun attackers and didn't even bring up Anthony, who's, you know, somewhere spinning with the soccer ball on his foot, just spinning and spinning and spinning. Mm -hmm. Like... I, I don't mean to say like Brazil have been disappointing in this tournament. They absolutely haven't. They've got six points. I was looking for them to like show out a little bit more today, but they had like a very professional, responsible kind of performance without their star, which I think goes along. With They're really good at the back too. They're really, really good at the back, which is oh Tiago Silva. He's been good, man. I know I highlighted him a bit in our previews, but he's been really good. This team's really good defensively. They're not giving up much either. And yeah, I I think it's a matter of how teams are setting up against them more than anything. Like even Serbia, you look at what happened today. They go 3-3 against Cameroon, who doesn't have nearly the attacking talent of Brazil. I think... (laughs) No, decidedly they do not. (laughs) So I think that Serbia set up a lot more defensive, obviously, against Brazil. And so they're finding it a bit tougher to break these teams down, sure. But there's a lot of teams this World Cup not scoring goals, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And this team's at least I – mean, they have three goals. I'm not going to say they're not scoring goals, but they're at least being frustrated from how many goals they could score in style, I guess, is more of it, more or less what I'm trying to say. They're very much doing it – they're getting a lot of style points along the way for me. Yeah. Um, but not, not the only story in this group, though. Um, you brought it up there. But the Cameroon-Serbia 3-3 this morning 
was insane. Walk us through that. Um, it's probably match of the tournament, and I will forever be salty that they put it on at 4 a.m. I thought this game might be a lot of goals in it. I said as much in our previews because I thought both these teams failed to know how to play a lot of defense and they had great offenses. And that was exactly the case because three, three, it ended Alexander Mitrovic probably himself could have had seven goals in this game. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I was going to say five. Yeah. yeah. If you That's... watch it back, he only had one. He struck a post. He put a few wide. He had a couple saved. <sighs> my pick for golden boot i would have liked for him to cash in on all seven i'd look really smart right now but what can you do (laughs) the good news i think for serbia in the end is i don't mean to disparage cameroon but we're going to kind of cast him aside because unfortunately for them their last game is against brazil which should be quite tough for them especially even if even if brazil rotates the squad you wouldn't know yeah (laughs) particularly when i think cameroon's weakness is defense I think that's a quite and tough, yeah, yeah, quite tough game for them. Um, Serbia does play Switzerland in this last game, and if Serbia can beat Switzerland, they'll more than likely go through. Uh, I hope so because they are my darling pick in this tournament. So we'll see what happens. But that game was great. Um, Serbia Switzerland looking ahead a little bit. I think that game is going to be really really good. It's kind of alternating styles of Serbia is a lot more attack 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 and. Switzerland's a lot more defense, defense, defense. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going on, going ahead in this group, Andrew. Yeah, especially with like Serbia attack, 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 and they need to attack, attack, attack. So like Serbia's normal game plan is like, yeah, we're going to go in there, we're going to attack. We have all these forwards and they need to do that plus 10, right? Because they need to win the game, right? Serbia, if they needed to draw the game, would still need to attack. Switzerland, of course sitting with three points, and if they can get to four, they'd pretty much almost assuredly get out of the group, right, unless Cameroon can come up really big against uh, Brazil, which, again, we don't mean to write them off, but you're playing Brazil in the World Cup. We don't have to necessarily think that's going to go real well for for anybody, let alone Cameroon. Um, But Switzerland just has to tie, and that's what we were just talking about them, like, being able to do is, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they can just, you know, kind of defend you and maybe Breland Bolo or Emilio Vargas can like get a goal or something like that, but they're just going to be solid, man. And it's it's going to be fun to see like each team has to do what they're best at to get out. Yeah, I would say if I'm a Serbian, I'm looking for a positive potentially, <laughs> secretly. If I'm looking <laughs> for a positive in this, I think where they were caught out with Cameroon today is Cameroon has a lot of pace on their team. And their their yes. back line just got caught out terribly. Like both of them, I, I couldn't believe neither of the go- the second and the third goal. I couldn't believe neither of them were offside. And it, it was just a matter of Cameroon's pace got in behind them. The defensive line was just not on the same page. They had a guy hanging behind their line and guy in onside with nobody within thirty yards of him. So Bang. both of those both of those last two goals happened that way. I would say against the pace of play, like Cameroon, they, I, I haven't seen the XG. They probably should not, they, they could have given up six, six, seven goals, like easily in this game. It could have easily been like a seven to three in this game, despite that. So if I'm Serbia and I can organize that back line and think that Switzerland does not have the pace of a Cameroonian team, then maybe we can 
stay solid enough to not leak a bunch of goals. But I, I very much think Switzerland will come out it's, and be very, very happy to turn this into a turgid affair, a tepid game, and have it just end nil-nil and go along in this competition. For those of you who were playing the bingo game at home and had Spencer saying turgid twice today, go ahead and mark that one off. Wow. My boys reading the reading the dictionary apparently between games here today reason up on um, yeah. baby between matches what <laughs> I, uh, else are you gonna do <laughs> just out here getting better just being better people uh i i was wondering what your thought was about your boy uh chupa moting only having one goal in a three goal game seems like the type of thing where when you have an elite striker like that with cameroon you really gotta you gotta play to him. <laughs> you'd think so um I guess it goes to maybe he's just not as fast as those wingers that were getting the goals in this game, but I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I look. I I very much doubt we have anybody in Cameroon listening to us. Maybe there's a Cameroonian listening to us. Sorry to write you guys off. You guys pull yeah, please off. Please let us know what you think about Chupo. Yeah, if you guys, we're dying to try to figure out why he keeps getting big money. <laughs> if Cameroon pulls off something against Brazil and somehow gets out of this group, then I will very much so come on this podcast later this Spencer week. We'll fly to Cameroon and watch the next game. Okay. Well, uh, we need more subscribers for that so I can afford the ticket, but yeah, we're gonna have to yeah. Patreon so yeah, that. move the followers, move them up, move them up boys. <laughs> but yeah, I'll very much come on here for now, and I will eat plenty of crow and praise Cameroon. But I just think if I will make sure that he does, I just think that Cameroon's chance to do anything was in these first two games. They lost to Switzerland. Yeah. This was probably their best chance. The fact that I think they got outplayed by Serbia today and they got a point if they could have, you know, not given up three goals, which. Uh, when you watch the way the game went out, I don't think that was ever going to not. I think three was the bear. No, 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 no. Cam- Cameroon opening it up was an invitation for Serbia. Yeah. He's like, you're going to do what now? You're going to try to come and play at us? Like, and that's what they had to do. It's World Cup soccer. And, um, you know, like, to be honest, shrug your shoulders. We got a hell of a game out of it. And it happened at it's a great game. So we got a hell of a YouTube video to watch. 100%. Uh, <laughs> man, that, that eight-minute recap from uh, – <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have a we have a mutual uh, friend, you and I, Zach. Shout out, Zach. I know you're listening. You're a tier Shout one. Out, Shout out, Zach. But he texted us this morning at like he's got a he's got a job <laughs> where he works crazy hours, and he's like, "This Cameroon versus Serbia game is nuts," and I'm like you know crusty eyes at six in the morning right, looking exactly. at it reading this burning my eyelids off and shout out zach i'm glad you got to see it but for the rest of us it was a little bit early but nonetheless that's about all i got on group g andrew you got anything else you want to move on to group h no no i, I do of course want to talk about your boy cristiano ronaldo and his portuguese here with group eight uh or group h group are you on another eight. podcast are you confusing um, me with somebody else here bud yeah, man. Uh, well, no, I mean, he's your boy just because he can't be mine. I won't allow it. Um, <laughs> so I have to give him to you. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, they they all jokes aside, like they they sit really good on top of the group here. A good performance from them today. I was able to watch like bits and pieces of it, right? Because work gets in the way. And I definitely thought really highly of Uruguay and Portugal just kind of played them moment for moment here. Two goals for uh, Bruno Fernandes and Thank God Ronaldo was already off the pitch, or you know there's no shot he's taking that. <laughs> yeah, no chance at all that he's getting anywhere near that penalty spot with him. But Ronaldo, no chance. This uh, this Portuguese team, man, there was a lot, a lot of questions about them coming in. Obviously, my beloved Serbia topped them in qualifying, and 
with all this Ronaldo drama, you wondered if this was this was a lot of people's hot take to show up to this tournament and really disappoint. Six points from two games, I can't do any better. You, you, you can you legitimately can't do any better. So they look really good. I, I'm I can't remember off the top of my head. Are they automatically already on to the next round? I would imagine so with six points. Yeah, I, I've got it pulled up here. Um, yeah, there's there's no way they can't qualify. Yeah. Ghana could win the group, I guess. If Ghana wins, does who does uh, Portugal play? Is it Ghana? Portugal will play Korea on the last day. Okay, so it'll be Ghana. Ghana could, Ghana could beat their. Ghana has three points right now. Portugal could lose, and Ghana's down three in goal differentials. So if Ghana smashes South Korea by four. They could at least like get second out of the group, but even then, they'd have to not get a result. So what we're saying is Portugal is in very, very good shape going into the last match. Ghana's today. top in the group. No. <laughs> oh, that, okay. That's what you're no. saying? Oh, no, no, no. I thought <laughs> that's what you were <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Portugal, they've not looked supremely impressive. That Ghana game, the, when they played Ghana, the first fixture of this uh, match, on the first match day of this group, uh, Ghana looked good. They were in that game until late, and Portugal pulled away late with a couple of goals. But yeah, this Portuguese team—I don't have a ton more of them other than that they're—I I don't even want to say impressive. They're doing what, when you look at them, what you would expect them to do. They're just there was a lot of outside factors that made you wonder whether it was going to happen at this tournament, and it's happening so far. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a really good way to be like to talk about it there because like. I, I my predictions obviously like Uruguay. I think they're a really good team. They have not showed it yet, but like whatever you want to say about Portugal, they showed up and like they did their job, right? They're the best, most talented team in this group, and they've acted like it and they played like it, right? Ronaldo's been really good, I think, for them, and then and he's been like subbed off in the sixty fifth minute half the time. So, um, I think that's a really good balance of play. I think Ronaldo's kind of. I think it's insane insane to say he uh, put his ego aside because his he put his ego all over Pierce Morgan and British talks television to shit on his club team. But, like, they're playing really well. I think they're really good at the back, right? Pepe is a 1,000 years old, but somehow still getting it done. Um, they just have a ton of talent, man. They have a ton of talent, and they're, they're kind of taking care of this group right now. But... Um, yeah, like a professional win against Uruguay today. Being two goals better than Uruguay is impressive. Well, let's segue that into Uruguay because I think we we both flagged them as a team. We were tabbing as dark horses, sleepers, whatever you want to call them. We both were pretty high on this team coming in. One point through two games, and I know that Portugal game is the trickiest fixture you would have had on paper for them in this group, but yeah, they're not in fantastic shape going into this last day. They will control their own fate a bit because they do play Ghana on the last day. So should they be able to win that fixture and Korea not do, well, I mean, it would come under goal differential then even at that point with Korea. And yeah. That, then you start really, you know, picking nits there, but they, they have a really good shot at controlling their own mm-hmm. fate here. And, um, Valverde's been, Fede, my boy Fede Valverde, he's been fine. He's been trying to do a lot. Their attack has just not really been, I mean, well, second half, I think, of the Portugal game today. Their attack has not been crazy. I would say that I think watching this Portugal game today, 
Uruguay versus Portugal game. Uruguay had their chances. They just did not convert on convert on them effectively. Like Gomez hit the post and that was a beautiful strike. Oh, um they had smoked them. Yeah, they had some other chances. I, I would say they had just as good of chances as Portugal did in the game. I mean the difference in the game essentially was Bruno Fernandez putting in a cross that Ronaldo didn't hit and the Uruguayan goalkeeper completely anticipating Ronaldo to head it and when he missed it, it just goes in slowly into his own net. So kind of an error. I I understand that you want to anticipate the header, but he just gets caught on his wrong foot and that goes in. And then the penalty in that game, I only want to say that I referenced, I don't know, 20 minutes ago or something. I said, you never know with FIFA. Like FIFA sends out a thing before this tournament talking about, maybe it was, wasn't before like directly this tournament, but talking about if it hits their top hand, when they slide, it's a penalty. But if it hits their bottom hand that they're bracing on the ground, it's not a penalty. I don't know what I believe anymore. Like it just was weird to me. It's a handball. Yeah. He's like putting his hand down. Like I, I get it. It to- totally hits his arm. I'm not arguing that at all, but it's, it looks like that's what he's bracing with. So I, I, what's the rule? I don't know. It seems like they change it all the time, Andrew. No. And it's kind of a brutal penalty. Not the most insane referee decision of the day, though. I don't know. I, first of all, I, I can't believe, I believe it was Anthony Taylor kind of made himself part of this uh, oh Korea God. game earlier today. For those of you that don't know, Anthony Taylor is, I, well, I don't know where you'd put him, but he's a very famous English referee. He's always part of the big game. Um, he always makes a decision that is brutal in some way whether it's for you or against you we've we've each had him go both ways but he's an absolutely brutal fucking ref here he doesn't allow korea to take a to take a corner kick right with less than 10 they put 10 minutes of stoppage time on the clock korea had won a corner kick before the 10 minutes and he doesn't allow them to take it which i would say happens in 19 for those of you who like don't follow a soccer that happens in 99% of games. They're at least allowed to take the corner, right? You're allowed to take an offensive chance, especially when you're down there, right? And he just blows the whistle, man. And then he red cards the ref or the uh, the coach for Korea, who uh, I'm a little disappointed didn't fight him because that's what I thought he was running out there to do. I thought we were about to get extra bonus Anthony Taylor, like an elbow from the Korean uh, from the Korean coach. Yeah, that decision was brutal, brutal, but English brutal. much. Holy hell. He is. Br- no, no, no. That's the perfect way to talk about Anthony Taylor. He's brutal, man. He's he's just he does what he does. I was going for brutal. I don't even know where the full part came from. I don't know. There, there is this nice my wife, my wife <laughs> threw together this nice little Christmas bouquet that's sitting on the desk next to me. So maybe I was just enamored in that for a second. But shout out, Linda. Shout out, Linda. But uh, it was a brutal decision from Anthony Taylor. Almost like they sent the wrong English referee. They should have sent uh, old Darren England from England, maybe. Well, you love him, too. Uh, you have a lot of good feelings about a lot of English referees. I do love Larry London from London. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it was a terrible decision. And I would argue that a lot of the time you'd be like, whatever. It was a corner at the end. Nothing would have probably happened. Legitimately, every single goal in this 3-2 to two game came from a cross because neither of these teams could defend a goddamn cross to save their lives. And, and Korea had just been crossing the ball like for 10 minutes straight. 
to not give them it's insane keep going yeah I'm, I, and they got me worked up at nine i'm just saying if if it, it was literally every single korea goal was like an outswinger into the box and every single ghana goal was an inswinger into the box and this was another great game two great games today with this one in the serbia yeah, game we, we talked really about earlier but yeah I, I think it was more a matter of we talked about teams were struggling in the final third in this tournament and they were solid defensively uh not in these two games they <laughs> hell I, like i said in the serbia game there were struggles in the final third still it's just the defenses were terrible in these two games and we got a good game out of it but i don't know i, I can't believe they didn't get that corner andrew well and like we talk about these two games for all four of these teams right cameroon versus serbia and korea versus ghana this was their chance to get a win, right? They all had to push in this game, no matter how the other games have worked. And that's kind of the beauty of this tournament is you get a games like, do I want to watch Korea versus Ghana? You do because it's going to be insane. There's a lot of because jeopardy. Gonna, there's a lot of jeopardy. Everybody's like literally the hopes of a nation ride with every team. And that's partly why this tournament is so fun. Um, I do want to bring up somebody who may come up a little bit later, but Two goals from Mohamed Kudis, the uh, the Ajax. Uh, I think he's like 20, 21 year old, but just having a really nice tournament came up big on on both those goals there. Um, not to take anything anything from, I'm gonna mess this up, but uh, Yi Sung, I think is how you say that, the guy who had two goals for South Korea, mm-hmm. who was kind of a full Krug esque guy, right? He's out of the Korean league. They brought him in as a sub. And just came up huge. And like, I feel so bad. Like I really, I wanted them to equalize so bad. I was like, give G sung the hat trick, put him on the fast track for the golden boot. Here we go. And Anthony Taylor took that away from us. Never forget. Never forget. Fuck you, Anthony Taylor. I can't wait for you to screw city over later this year. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> can't wait to be mad at you back in England. Great for <laughs> G Kuhn. I'll shit on my credibility here. Like Korea, if you play in the Korean league, you're like 12 hours ahead of me. I don't watch any of it, dude. I've never watched a Korean league game in my life. No, me either. I, the only thing I really know about this Korea team outside of uh, obviously Hyungman's son mm-hmm. is that their keeper, their back four are all named Kim. And it's all funny. I don't know if you like saw the, the Mimi thing going yeah. around on the like internet of like the Spanish broadcaster being like, Oh, Korea, Kim, 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 Kim. (laughs) I was laughing, but that's, and then they're probably in trouble now. They play Portugal, the final match there. They're on one point, which we referenced in our previews. It sucks for them that their best player in Sun is not at 100% going in. They they should have had a good chance to get a result today, but after today, it's going to be really tough for them, I think. Yeah, I think the only other thing I'd say is like, uh, Lee Kang in right. Who's played on like, I think he's in the Spanish league, right? He's played on kind of some pretty good attacking teams as a young guy. He was the one putting in all those cross or a ton of those crosses late in the game. And I just like, I think he came on as a sub again, hard to watch all these with work and everything else. Right. But like, he's got to play, like he just played really well. And I just wanted to shout him out in a losing up. We should say that Korea had a lot of scoring chances. They probably should have equalized this game before that corner or that not given corner i should say they probably should have equalized this game a few times over and yeah i think that just to round out this group if i'm uruguay i don't feel terrible going into this game against ghana considering if i can win that i'm 
I've got a more than likely chance of probably getting through this group. And this Ghana team is, dare I say, like for a couple of these African teams like Cameroon, they're a little prototypical in that they've got a lot of attacking talent, but they can be gotten to defensively. And if you can outscore them, you got a chance. And I think Uruguay is a very stout defensive team overall, and they'll have a good chance at it. If they can find some goals, this will be probably the leakiest defense in this group they might face. Uh, not to take, like I always say, I think this three times a, a preview, like not to take any away from anything away from Ghana. They've played really well. So like they earned that win today. Right. I think, Saying they were the better team is probably unfair, but they were more clinical. Korea had a ton of chances and couldn't finish them off. Like, they fought for this one, man. Like, I don't know what happens with, like, Andre and Jordan Ayu when they put on that Ghanaian jersey, but all of a sudden they're incredible and they're making plays and they're all over the field. Like, this Ghana team is fun to watch, and I know that's kind of been a criticism of them in the past is, like, they're fun to watch, but then they have to go away in the group stages so that the big boy teams can play, right? So on one hand, I'd love to be right and have Uruguay get out of this group and put a little bit of run together, but I would kind of love to see Ghana go through here. Yeah, they they definitely are fun. And to be fair to them too, they played well against Portugal. They almost got a result yes. in that game too. So yep. I, that game should be, along with a lot of other ones, that should be a fascinating game on the final match day, Andrew. Which I think kind of leads us into the biggest thing about uh, the next match days as we start off here with groups A and B are going to be taking the field tomorrow. But um, before maybe before we dive in off the deep end here with the USA preview, but we got Ecuador, Senegal, and Netherlands and Qatar for group A. Who do we see getting out of there, Spence? Mm, not Qatar. I look like such a fucking moron. We talked about this last time. But... <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say uh, yeah. That was my... I wasn't going to dump on you again. I will hear that. I'm stupid. Guitar sucks. They're not organized. They don't attack. They don't do anything. They might as well go home. It's not even a long drive. The uh, I was watching their game the other day, and I think it was Landon Donovan on the call, and he was just being so passive-aggressive about, like, uh, a thief is their best player, right? Um, he's, like, their attacking guy, and basically he's like, he doesn't even join the attack if he doesn't think they're going to score. Like, he was basically just watching Landon Donovan as the commentator was just man marking him all over the field. And I was catching strays. It was, it was fantastic. It was like a not experienced announcer and a not experienced team. And they came together in a beautiful moment. The great news here. You're welcome everybody, because obviously the moment I, you know, bestowed them as a sleeper to get out of this group and made that pick. I, I obviously absolutely fucked them. So you're welcome for that because now the rest of the group is super duper interesting because yes. Ecuador you, and Netherlands, you're welcome, are both on four points and Senegal's on three. So going into this last day, it's going to be a lot of fun in that group. Um, I think, uh, well, Netherlands has Qatar, don't they? So, you know, chalk up. Right, and chalk that'll up. be fun for the Netherlands, yeah. right? Don't don't discount them. It's fun to score goals. It's fun yeah. to win games. Chalk up, get get um, all their guys in form. Chalk up three points right before they potentially go into a game against the USA. Woohoo! Yeah, get rested, yeah. get going. I mean, I, I for real, it could be a type of thing where, like, if Qatar is ever going to have any self-respect in football, this is when they need to shine. If there was ever a time for, like, weird FIFA – not conca calfing, but weird FIFA ing to just like give the hometown team a uh, 
a little boost here. It might be against the Dutch. <laughs> I would not be shocked if it was like a tie somehow. You know what I mean? Like not through anything they've earned. And God knows you've talked more nice things about Qatar than anybody else. But like, I wouldn't be shocked if it was like 1-1 one, one on an 83rd minute penalty. That's like completely bullshit. Um, just because FIFA's corrupt and Qatar's corrupt. And when you put corrupt and corrupt together, sometimes you get corruption, man. Crazy how that works out, but. I don't know. I this yeah. tournament. Let's, let's talk about Ecuador. Yeah, let's talk about fun teams. I'm just gonna say this. Ecuadorian. Let me let me just oh say one gosh. thing really quick, and that is just that I think that this is a very wacky tournament. A lot of crazy things that have happened that I haven't anticipated at all. But if Qatar finds a way to get a result against the Netherlands, um, I'll actually be even more mad. I'd rather them at this point just you know don't. <laughs> Don't show up at the very end and tell me that I was a little bit on the right path. Just make me look like a complete idiot and I had no idea what I was talking about. We can just well, bury this a lot easier. I, except for I'll keep bringing it up. So Fair enough. Let's yeah. let's move on to the fun teams in this group, though, dude. I'm with Please. you. Uh, N- Netherlands, I think we touched on them enough. They they got that draw against Ecuador, and let's just put that right Jackpo's been really good for them yeah. their back line looks pretty solid yeah we and we, we talked about their first game against senegal enough already in the last pod yeah, so yeah i i think it's a it's a draw versus ecuador let's let's, no. spend, let's spend more of this time on the ecuadorian too that's a huge result Please. for them your darlings they look a lot better than mine yes, andrew sir. well not a real compliment to the ecuadorians that was backhanded ecuadorian slander um we move on um but no they've looked so good man even even in their last game, um, they just, I thought they were the better, I thought they were better than the Netherlands in that game. Um, we've kind of talked about it, right? But them in Senegal for everything is so much fun, man. So much fun. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that fixture. It's, it should be fun. I, I think Senegal has really found their stride without my, um, Whoa, Sadio Mane. I almost said said Mohamed Salah for some reason. Liverpool trauma. I thought you were going to say Mohamed Kudos. No, no, it's just a matter of uh, (laughs) Manchester City's had a lot of trauma involving Liverpool, and it's been through both of those guys, so Mohamed Salah came ahead. Even though he doesn't even play there anymore. I already shat on my credibility (laughs) enough saying I'd never, ever seen a Korean (laughs) League game, so we might as well just continue to... (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I, I think that... Yeah, I I think they've really found their stride without him, and it's been really impressive. And yeah, that that's, that fixture is going to be really awesome to watch. I'm definitely going to be trying to catch that one tomorrow, Andrew, between them and Senegal. I know, and then we got between just Ecuador to, and Senegal. I was talking Ecuador about Senegal. Senegal. You know what I mean? You're good, buddy. I got you. Um, I I think it's going to kind of come down to like Estupinian was super super good on the left. He terrorized the Dutch. If he can keep that up against Senegal, right? Um, the only thing I guess I really don't know is like, is Ener Valencia is going to be able to play? He came off in the last match. Um, and I know he, like, if there was ever a time to like push through an injury, right? And he's like the oldest player on their team, he's the clear leader of that team. And he's been playing really well for them. Um, but I think that's probably the biggest kind of question mark going into this game that we won't know, especially at time of recording, but um, hopefully he plays. Cause honestly, I just want to see both these teams at full power. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I, I think that fixtures just 
a lot of fun. I, I, I can't call it either way. I don't know about you, but we'll uh, see what happens with that. I don't know. Do you have a ton more on Group A? Uh, or do we want to move it along? I think we'll save Group B for the last part when we go into the USA a bit more. So you want to move yeah. on to Group C real quick? Yeah, man. Let's uh, let's get to Group C. We've got Poland and Lewandowski finally getting their, their World Cup win, their World Cup goal for Lewandowski. Argentina battled back against Mexico here um, and really kind of put them in an emotional blender. Um, but that was a great – I mean, the Argentina-Mexico game was a great ton game. of fun to watch. A ton of fun to watch, man. I, um, I uh, thought my big thought on the Argentina-Mexico fixture was Mexico – and I don't know if you're a Mexican fan, you could tell me otherwise, I think – the big thing in that game was that they just kind of were a bit negative. And I don't mean this in a negative way. They were just not, they set up more defensively, which any, uh, what there's probably 290 national teams or something, 190, however many countries there are in the world. Uh, if it's 190, 185 of those teams are probably setting up negative against an Argentina. Yeah. So it's not. And, and, a, and they should. That's not yeah. the wrong call off principle. However, if you would have asked the Mexican fans in the stands, holy cow, was that the wrong thing to do? Uh, yeah. They, and were, I, they were getting booed and cheered and jeered. And it was. Yeah, for uh, sure. And I think. I think in general. <laughs> They did the right thing. They tried. And I mean, they frustrated Mexico for a large portion of this game. And it took really a beautiful strike from Leo Messi to even break through that Mexican back line. And at the end of the day, it's a massive result for the Argentines. They obviously had that huge loss to Saudi Arabia early, but now they're in with a great shout going into this Poland fixture on the last day. Just before we move on, I want to make sure it gets a full shout out here. But that goal from Fernandez in the 87th minute to put the oh, icing on yeah. it for Argentina. Oh, my Lord. What a shot, man. Just a beautiful. Like, what a move before the shot. Oh, no, I know. The whole thing. I was going to say, like, what a great shot. And he sets it up by just, just running through the defense a little bit. Just Yeah. You know. He's got to be upset that Rich Arlison went out and just pulled a beautiful like scissor kick the next day i believe it was that like th- those are probably my top two right now because that goal that that was like richarlison's was awesome don't get me wrong i was that was very much like a, oh but like that uh goal in the argentina game it was one of those where you let out like the the like involuntary noise watching yeah. oh, oh you know what i mean yes uh the the way i would kind of describe it is like the Richarlison goal is somebody who knows all the tricks on FIFA, right? Oh, yeah, spin it. Flick it back up to myself. Bicycle kick, goal. The Fernandez goal is like a huge goal. Just like outside of the box. Take it with your right foot. Give it a shot. Curl it into the corner. It was beautiful. It was like a more soccer purist goal versus a soccer highlight goal, right? Yeah. Like the uncultured take is that like Richarlison's goal is far and away the goal of the tournament, which I do still think it is probably the goal of the tournament right now. If you want to seem like a real guy who knows the soccer, you talk about Fernandez. You just yeah, bring that right back I, up as the second point. Like, actually, I think kind of that outside of the you know outside of the box uh, strike from Fernandez to beat Mexico, put Mexico away. Was I think it was more in more the box, ball. barely. It was far away in the box, but that's yeah. if it was outside the box, I'd probably give it number one. I think I'd be there. Just I think right, the yeah. best. 
right on the, the edge, whatever. The best to way to compare them is like Richarlison's goal was like a heavy metal rock and roll song, and that song was like a, and that goal by Fernandez was like a beautiful like jazz like saxophone solo like just art like poetry in motion and Richardson's just just like ah like just right. heavy metal football type of thing they're both beautiful and just in different ways one one is a show off showing off goal showing off all your skills and another was like a here's what I can do um yeah. but I I I love the Fernandez goal I'm not ready to pick it as my goal of the tournament just because the Richardson was was so nasty but I'm right there ready to say it was. It was beautiful. I'm not going to fight you on that. I wouldn't call you a crazy person if you picked it, but we'll get into that when it's time and when we Absolutely. wrap up this tournament, I'm sure. There's, I'm sure there's going to be a couple more contenders. Uh, just let's round out this group before we set up their last match day. We've got Poland, who beat the Saudis after their amazing upset against Argentina. Poland beats them 2-0, puts themselves on three points, put themselves probably in good position to or sorry they're on four points after that draw with mexico I'm bugging, yeah, but poland's poland's leading the group right now on four points we have argentina and saudi arabia on three points and even mexico right now sits on just one point like you're definitely still alive this this group's uh, yeah they're they're hanging on by a by a thread there but but you'd have to you'd, you'd have to think they have an okay like if i'm a mexican fan i'm I'm doing the same as we're doing, like, you know, spoiler alert. We're fancying ourselves against Iran. I mean, we have two points, Spencer. Yeah. We have, two, I'm, I'm, we have double the amount of points that Mexico has. Uh, trust me, I'm, I'm well aware of us doubling up the Mexicans. <laughs> Dos. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, no, my, my kind of big takeaway from Poland, uh, Saudi Arabia was like, I'm – proud for Lewin. I'm happy I'm very happy for like Lewandowski to get his goal. I almost kind of wonder if it might open up the floodgates, right? Like now that we've got That's what we this, said last pod. Like, yeah, and you know, like he might a little bit of a get right game there. They're leading the group. Um it also sets up for a historic collapse as Poland goes into match day 3 leading the group. Lewandowski on the score sheet finally and they don't get it done. Um they're in a good spot, but I would just just Argentina's tough though, dude, and having them on the last day, that's that's tough. I mean, Argentina's definitely the favorite in that game. And Argentina, it's it's not one of these in some of the other groups, like where the favorites already clinched. Like Argentina needs to win this game to yes, make sure they're yeah. getting through. So Argentina's motivated. Um being on four points is huge at this point. That game was super vital to them because they'd have an okay shot. I mean, they're hoping that like we talked about world's most important like nil nil draw we were hoping for in our group with the usa like if they would love nothing more to see a nil nil draw in that game between saudi arabia and mexico um this this one's chaos i, I don't know how to call this group i tend to believe i think argentina is going to figure this out and find their way through that second spot i think is completely up for grabs yeah i mean they they've already lost to worse teams in this tournament right so mm -hmm. um but yeah i do i do hope Leo Messi gets through. I would like to see Lewandowski get, Lewandowski get through um, just for kind of the sake of the tournament, right? You know what I mean? Like you want to see the better teams and the better players go far. Um, just because I don't think Saudi Arabia is – Saudi Arabia is like lining up for a nice like 5-0 if they get through, um, depending on who they would get in the next round. But um, speaking of next round, we've got France already sitting pretty and qualified out of Group D. Um, they got six points. They look incredible. They're – absolutely the best team right now they look really good um 
yeah, uh, there's like this news about like Benzema being out of the team and it's helping them. <laughs> I don't know, man. Real like, Madrid should give it a shot. Send him to Chelsea. See if it helps. I'd in love your to dreams, do buddy. We're here for some research and soccer fun. But you call they look really good. They look they look really good. Olivier Giroud looks really good. Uh, Kylian Mbappe looks really good. He looks. I've heard of him before. He's I've, a young French player. He's very he's, good. At yeah, but like he seems like actually in all. <laughs> Yeah, in all reality, yeah. like he's playing very well. he's been really good, and I think that this is important for him because he had a bad Euro last year. Whenever the hell they had it, I know it was the twenties. Yeah, it was last year, right? Twenty twenty one they played it, but it was supposed to be twenty twenty. I don't know. My timing's all screwed up because it's it's literally almost twenty twenty three, and we're still playing a World Cup. I'm very confused. My world's <laughs> my world's spinning. But this is the worst summer ever. It's down cold. is up. Yeah, every day. Yeah. Why Why did I walk out in a tank top and shorts earlier? And I got hypothermia. My toes are black. I don't know what's happening. But nonetheless. Um, yeah, this this France team, this was an important tournament for Kylian Mbappe, I think, between that bad Euro last year, whenever the hell it was, and the drama he's had at PSG of late. So for him to come out firing and kind of silence some people, I think that's huge. I, I literally think I'm double checking on my phone as we think that, but like, I think Fab, yeah, like an hour ago, Fabrizio Romano tweeted that he's the president of PSG said that they uh, have got Kylian Mbappe to extend. Now, this is something we've all heard before from Kylian Mbappe, that he's going to extend or whatever, but, like, if he's in a good spot with his club team, with his national team, like, France is rolling right now, and we talked about how many people they're missing. Like, the people they're not bringing could maybe get out of this group. Just, uh, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm, like, dude, and... and I don't know. I imagine maybe PSG are the one that's leaking that. Like that's totally not beyond PSG, but it it's, might it's be from Mbappe. the president. For from Romano quotes the president. Okay, yeah. so that's I guess in that case I don't from know PSG. I don't know. Just shut the fuck up about it. Is how I feel. Like just let him play his tournament. Like I, I was gonna say that if it's Mbappe's team like leaking that, like he's they've leaked all this fucking shit this year. Just <laughs> he's playing good. Let him play. I, don't get me wrong. I would love, I mean, I mean, unless he went to like, you know, Liverpool going, or Manchester United or, or Chelsea or something. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. I, I want to see this guy, like as terrifying it is as it might be to like come up against Real Madrid in a Champions League then. Mm-hmm. I want to see this guy out of France because I think that we all think he's one of the better players in the world, but none of us are sitting here watching League One because it's not that interesting. And no. we don't get to see this guy that we think might be the best. And I think personally, if I'm him, like this seeing Erling Holland bag goals for City, not no bias at all, but like it's got to be like now people are talking about Erling Holland in the same breath. And if I'm him, I'm like, yeah, I want to show I can do that too. I think it's I think it's very easy for Mbappe to be like, yeah, you get to bag goals, I get to play in the World Cup. So, you know, I think like that's a very easy argument to have, like from his perspective. But like, yeah, we basically outside of the French national team, which gets a lot of its fair share of insanity and weird coverage, right? We only get to see him like going out in the round of sixteen at like we only get to see him in a negative context. It would be fantastic to watch him play for Madrid or Barcelona or somebody else. Like, I just don't know how feasible at that point it is just because the money is so crazy with him. But, um, but this, this kind of getting back to it, like this French team has been 
insane. I think it, you could probably say they've been the class of the tournament so far. Just they've kind of easily dispatched both the teams they've played. Um, but your boys, Denmark, Spencer, Australia right now sitting in second place. The Probably just the odds on mathematical favorites to get out of the group here. But like, is Denmark going to be able to finish, figure this out, man? Well, Denmark's advantage is going to be that. I, I don't think they were terrible in that France game. Just France no, is they, better they were, than them. They were fine. Yeah. And I think that they were quite possibly though, on the other hand, a bit lucky to get out with a point against Tunisia. So absolutely, um, their advantage is going to be that they play Australia so they can very much eliminate Australia from the conversation. Should they take three points off of them? Um, and then the only way they're not potentially getting through is if Tunisia does something special against the French who are already clinched, but right. So yeah, you're, you're asking, you're asking Tunisia to take three points off France. I think even if France is eliminated, you're asking a lot of them. Yeah. If they said, if, if like, if they really like say Mbappe doesn't play a minute, right. It's still Kingsley Coman, right. You know what I mean? Like the, the second team for France running out against Tunisia is not just as scary as the first team, but pretty damn scary. Um, I, I've been really kind of impressed with this Australian team just because I was ready to write them in the last place below Tunisia, who I also didn't think much of. Like I'm very happy to get a competitive group in what I thought was like probably the clearest, the clearest group heading into this tournament. Yeah, the goal by Australia in that Tunisia game, I believe it was by Duke, Mitchell Duke. Yeah, that header was so nice. Like it was like a looped like off the back of the head header. Like I was, I did not see it live. This was another four in the morning game. If I yeah, man, look, if you score a goal at four in the morning, we'll see it. But yeah, it's gonna take a minute. I'm watching back, but yeah, it was a beautiful (laughs) finish. But yeah, they've been. They've been decently impressive. Yeah, that was a very good result for them against Tunisia. They had a bit about them, and they're going to give themselves a chance. I I still fancy Denmark in that game, if I'm being honest. And, I, like, yeah, they're a bit of my darlings. Maybe I'm just, you know, dancing with who got me there and who I picked. Besides Qatar, I've already decided to just completely write them off. Well, technically, they wrote themselves off because they already eliminated themselves. But... <laughs> I think Denmark's got a good chance in that fixture, but we'll see. This Australia team, they've got a little little bit more grit than I think we maybe assumed when we did our previews. Yeah, I I think they've they've got a little bit more something about them. I know I was really pretty negative about them, but like, They've, they've really shown it. They've kind of done the kind of role I think of as an experienced team, right? They're an older team. They know how to kind of get stuff done. Um, they've played together for a long time. They really had to scrap through qualifying, all of which I think I said was a negative in the preview, but now I'm going to turn into a positive because they're using it to play well. And, and that's how this whole podcast works. But, uh, finding a way to creatively still be kind of right about them would be fantastic. Um, that said, Denmark's got to be excited to be playing Australia here. It would probably be the fixture they won on the last day. Um, considering, oh, this is all I have on Tunisia, man. We've ne- we haven't, if we have any Tunisian listeners again, kind of like the Cameroon thing, I don't know. I just don't have anything to say about it. I think you guys are going to lose to France, maybe get a point and that won't be enough. So if they beat them again, I'll just, dude, if Cameroon yeah. and Tunisia, I would love, win, I would love I, to see it more. It'll just of chaos, agent of it, chaos. But. It will be a Ooh. massive crow eating podcast for me when we do one later this week and preview the knockout rounds. But yeah, we, until we, we, then, 
I, I think this is between Australia and Denmark to get this last spot in this group after uh, France. So that's all I really got on it. I'm horned up to talk about the United States of America. Andrew, yeah, about man. You. This, so this is what it kind of all comes down to here is we've got the U S we've got Iran. We also have uh, England and Wales, but um, not just as a bias towards our team and that we want to talk about, the biggest game in this last group, Group B, um, which will be tomorrow, 1 p.m., is when we need to watch, um, is is USA-Iran. Iran's got three points coming into it. We've already kind of talked about it. Basically, what the U.S. needs to do is win to survive, right? There is some shenanigans that could happen if Wales wins by, like, four goals, three or four goals, right, depending on how much the USA wins. But you win, you control your own destiny. If Wales beats England by four goals, then we'll start a YouTube channel and I'll eat a microscope on YouTube live for all you guys if you want to tune in. Because if the U.S. wins and they don't oh find God. a way to get to the knockout round, then yeah, I'll, I'll eat a microwave. I have a printer right next to me. I give it to this, my wife. This brought to you by Qatar getting out of the group. <laughs> Spencer, Mr. All-Knowing. Yeah, uh, this might blow up because I have the worst takes ever, but I was saying I have this printer right next to me. I bought my wife this printer for her birthday a while back. I'm sure she wouldn't appreciate me eating it live on YouTube, but you know, I'll do it for the clicks and I'll do it because I'm an idiot. So I, I, I think if okay. Spencer, I, Spencer ridiculousness aside, we'd all like to see him eat something made of glass. Um, I need the, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I need the U S to come out and play well against Iran here. Um, what do you think the best way for us to attack kind of a defensive Iranian team with good striking talent is? I think like that I think that if we play the defense we have the first two games, I'm not particularly worried about the attack part of it. If if we play like we did in that first half against Wales, I or in that whole game against England, as good as the, it's not to belittle the striking town on Iran, but, you know, I'm taking Harry Kane over those guys. I'm taking that attack of like Saka and Sterling over those guys, Grealish, all of them. So for me, defensively, as long as we continue to do what we have done, we'll be okay. Offensively is where it gets a little more interesting because uh, one goal through two games is something and this is maybe the most outside of the England game they played where they gave up six on paper this is a very defensively resolute team so you're gonna have to score uh Iran I think would be quite happy to make this game a nil-nil and we're gonna have to find ways to score goals and they, they would they would get through on a nil-nil is like the first thing to say like, right obviously they'd want that right but like that plays to their team's strength as well Right, they don't have to do something different than what they've been doing. We do. Correct. And I've to go to what I'd like to see. I've banged the drum of Gio Reyna a bit. I've seen excuses for him maybe not to be as featured in these first two games. I think this is a game where Greg's gonna open him up to Greg is gonna open himself up to a lot of criticism should he not get Gio Reyna a lot of playing time in this game. He's already opened him up himself up to a lot of criticism among U.S. fans for not playing enough of Gio Reyna. But against a team like Iran that will probably sit pretty deep, 
Um, I don't think there's a player on this roster that can pick locks like Gio Reyna can. And he's by far the most likely guy on this team to play a beautiful cutting through ball to like cut through a defense and create some goals. So I I think he's really going to be crucial potentially in this game. I think the only thing I would say to that is like as much, and I love Gio Reyna. This is not a negative Gio Reyna point, but we've literally already seen our only goal is from a Christian Pulisic, incredible cutting through ball to Tim Weah. Um, So I, I would love to see like a formation change. I would love to see like a false nine or something like that. I don't know that Greg's got that in the pocket here. Um, but yeah, Gio's, Gio's got to play. I think they've got to do more of their pressing style from the first half of the first game rather than their hanging back, obviously, as they need to be on the front foot in the game here. But um, if Iran scores first, it's going to be a very uphill climb, right? Um, Obviously, that's true in every soccer game, but with as negative as they need to be and they would be getting through in the World Cup, which I don't think you could safely assume they thought was going to be happening coming into this, the U.S. needs to score first and come out on the front foot here is my like biggest takeaway. Put the pressure on Iran to get themselves back into the game rather than waiting to like make it your own. Correct. I I think that first goal is going to be extremely crucial and we need that first goal to come for us. I think if we're playing, you know, fighting uphill, like if we let our Iran get an early goal, we'll be in big trouble in this game. Um that's about I mean we previewed it a little bit on the last pod. I I don't know. I don't have a ton more other than I I feel good going into it and We'll see what happens, but yeah, generally I feel pretty optimistic going into tomorrow. Yeah, man, unless you wanted to kind of touch on some of the crazy stuff coming out about Iran before this game and the U.S. as well, like... Yeah, let's... uh, I'm I'm ready to, as far as like the USA like preview, it's just like I need the roster to come out, I need the lineup to come out, I need... I need the actual soccer stuff to start right now. It's just, it's just nerves. It's just I, wanting it so bad. I don't love all this drama that's coming out because I believe it was the U S soccer's official Twitter oh, account put yeah. something about, they put out like an Ir- Iranian flag without the middle emblem to like stand in solidarity with uh, all the protests and such in Iran right now. Cause there's a lot mm. of, you know, injustice type protests going on there and a lot of internal conflict and, that's um great. It's the right message, but like when the U.S. State Department's coming out and like right away being like distancing themselves oh, from it, like oh, this is it was yeah, this is not us. That's uh maybe great message, but not the time right before you play them. Like Iran asked for the U.S. to be kicked out of the tournament, which is never going to happen. But uh, yeah, there's there's no they ask, they ask Anthony Taylor, they might get it. But <laughs> I, I know the only thing I really have. The only other like thing I have uh, against that is just I think that this Iranian squad I've read that it's a bit, uh, what's the right words? They're split a bit on how they feel about the internal issues as far as like women's rights and stuff in Iran. It's like a topic in the locker room that some it's guys disagree with. Right yeah. But uh, so I don't know. Maybe it's bulletin board material for some guys. Maybe it's like. Some guys appreciate it, but I don't know. I just, I don't love giving them any extra fire potentially. Well, and like, it's one of these things like you read this stuff and like, it's one of these things like who knows how true it is, right? We're not out there independently verifying things and I'm hesitant to like repeat something I don't know is true, but like there's been reports of like their families being like not detained, but watched 
there's been things about like because they have women in the stands at these games right who are like cheering on the iranian team that people are like watching who these women are and gonna like report them once they get back like it's all the like seriously look look it up right if you're at all interested in kind of what they've got going on and there's never been we don't need more reasons to like beat them or any like thinking we're going to solve this with a soccer game is ridiculous but yeah i believe they call it in the business a political quagmire over there so you are just in the thesaurus today been deep in it the the only other drama because we can move on from the iranian flag thing is that (laughs) eric winalda the former u.s player uh going to twitter and saying that uh he's kind of quoted Claudio Reyna in this and saying that Gio Reyna was, I guess, healthy in the first game and Greg chose not to use Gio because he didn't think he fit the tactics, kind of what I was suggesting the first after our first reaction pod. Mm-hmm. Um, but he asked Gio to go along with saying he wasn't 100% fit. And uh, I don't know, just Eric... Oh, just shut up, man. The the funniest thing, the funniest <laughs> thing I saw out of this was he like drops that bomb. And like, if you look at any US post, like any post, they could post like the guys eating lunch or something. And if you go in the comments, I promise you there's plenty of people. Play Geo, play Geo, play Geo. Geo play. It's, this is it's, yeah. it's already toxic. So he drops this, you know, there's plenty of gasoline. He drops gasoline. a match. Yeah. yeah, he drops a match on it. And then, like, I think it was like six hours later, he comes out and he's like, everybody should just relax. Like, what do you, I don't see why everybody's getting so like, this is all important for the team. Like, it's all about getting behind the team. And I'm just like, the reference with it, with it being like Thanksgiving last week that came to my head was, you know how every family has that super political uncle and they start, they say something really controversial at the dinner table and it starts this big old debate between the entire family. And then it's like, if that guy came back, that uncle came back after 20 minutes of everybody screaming at each other and storming away from the dinner That's table. He's so like, mad. yeah, what's, what's the big deal? It's Thanksgiving, guys. We're supposed to guys, all be a family. We're supposed to have fun together. Right. It's like, you got exactly what you want, Eric Winalda. You got <laughs> all the clicks. You got everybody all hyped up. I'll be, I'll be honest, man. We're an easy group to rile up. It doesn't Very take much easy. to get us all in a tizzy here. Um, so didn't love but that yeah, stuff like that. Um, they a reporter, an Iranian, I think, reporter asked Greg Berhalter to like move a naval ship out of like. It's a bunch of silliness going on. I don't right even now, think man. Greg has his boating him. license. How's he going to move yeah, a whole he naval can't ship? Figure out how to get Gio Reyna in the squad. How's he going to be up for like naval positioning? Like that guy for sure doesn't have a compass. There's no chance he's got a sextant. He doesn't know his coordinates. Like. You know, I, I don't trust him to make subs at right back when Serginho Des gets tired. Let's not have him worry about global positioning of, of, of naval ships. Yeah, he's going to just, I mean, if he picks, he might just move it from Iran to just like outside like the Sea of China or something. It might be even worse. So I, I would say, I would argue that that journalist should just uh, not be asking Greg Berhalter about there's, there's military. We'd like to ask Greg Berhalter. That is not one of them. Yeah, military strategy. I think I <laughs> let's leave it to on the pitch strategy with him because, like you said, he can't even figure that all out all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. We're we're excited for the game though. Um, it's a matchup that kind of hopefully works out for the U.S. They've got you want to see a soccer team that needs to win. People, you know, casual American fans, right? 
you're going to see one. You better see one or we are going to absolutely tell you about it for what? Three, four hours tomorrow. Um, with and our we'll, reaction be, pod. we'll be back to talk um, about it tomorrow. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Leading right into that. Um, before we kind of get out of here, I had a couple other questions I wanted to ask you just kind of some fun stuff here from the world cup. Um, but do you have like an early MVP, least valuable player? What what's kind of your what stands out from the first two full rounds of games here? Hmm. MVP wise, um, I think an easy pick would be like Richarlison. He's been quite good through two games. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I like to go off the beaten path. I picked Serbia to go to the semifinals. So you think I'm gonna pick the chalk pick? Absolutely yep, not. I'm gonna your shout most out somebody. Take, Serbia in the semifinals. Yeah, I'm gonna shout out somebody crazy. Still could happen, by the way. They just gotta beat Switzerland, please. That's all. And Mitrovic, get going, because Big Meat, I called you for the golden boot, and you missed like seven chances today, so please get going. <laughs> I'd love to be sitting here two weeks and telling you it's Alexander Mitrovic. That's my MVP. If, if, but when, uh, when the final eight of the World Cup has like five different dudes from Fulham in it, soccer's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. My, my shout-out for like an early MVP, I'm going to shout-out your boy from your team, dude. Uh Estupinian's been really good for Ecuador. And I said something on Twitter about it. I was like, he's not getting the goal involvements, but he's been, if you watch an Ecuador game, he's everywhere. Um, Obviously, Inter Valencia has like scored the goals, but Estupinian's been all over the field and all all over the place. Talk about a guy who just like never stops running and seems to constantly be attacking. It's just like, all right, Chelsea, I know we've had some things before where we go get guys from Brighton, but I, him and Sacedo, I'd put at the top of the list, man. Um, just just add it to the uh, tab. I'm pretty sure you guys got a tab going with Brighton. You should just buy Brighton and then have them be our second team. I, I tweeted it to you. I, I, I tweeted I know, it to you. Like, why didn't if, – if Todd wanted a soccer team with all the players and coaches and staff and concession stands and well, – We've uh, already hired their backroom staff. At this point, it's just cheaper to pick them apart. Yeah, it just um, would have been a lot cheaper yeah. to buy Brighton. I, I, maybe Todd should hire me as his financial advisor. I could have told him that months ago. As long as you hire me as your football finance, football advisor in an equally lucrative position, I think we're good with that. Yeah, we might be able Todd, to help Todd. Todd, get in touch with Spencer. Spencer, get in touch with me. Um, that will be the last episode of the podcast. We are moving to England next. Yeah, week. it might be a conflict of interest. Todd might not. Toddy boy might not like that if we just shit on on a podcast. And we know, also. We know Todd Bull is listening. Um, now, how about you? Do you have a like? Do you have an early yeah, MVP? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're, we're getting distracted here. Um, early MVP. Um, easy to go with somebody like Mbappe, who we've talked about. Um, yeah. I'm Giroud. gonna go with I'm gonna go with Gavi. I think yeah. I just I think he like I touched I talked about it a little bit earlier, but like that Spain midfield, I know I was all about it, and they're everything they've been kind of billed to be. Um, Pedri gets a lot of the shine. Rodri's been incredible. Busquets is the ageless wonder, right? He's been playing the same way since that dude was 22. Hasn't lost a step, never had a step in the first place. But like Gavi's kind of been the one I've like been more impressed with. I think I'm going to give it to him, man. He's literally not even 20 years old yet. They have back-to-back young players of the year um, for Barcelona and for Spain. And I just love the way that that dude plays. I'm I love, with you. He pops up everywhere. He's attacking out of the midfield. It's yeah. Like if, if Kovacic was like incredible at also shooting and passing. Guy carries yeah. the ball. Like I'm with you that he just he gets like lost behind Pedri because everybody's enamored with Pedri, and I'm like, yeah, this guy's really good too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Man. What about uh, um any like 
darlings, like sweethearts, like maybe not like an MVP style guy, but a guy that you're just like, you know, there's always those guys at international tournaments that you're just, you see them play and you think, man, they're a lot better than I thought they were or something like that. You got anybody? Yeah, like I think of it as like a crush. It's just like, ooh, I don't know what that is over there, but I would love to have a Muhammad Kudus. I love, mm-hmm. I would love to have a full crew guy just getting in space. And uh, the striker for Japan, I would say, was on there, or uh, South Korea was on there today too with uh, his two goals. Like it's very easy, it's very fun to just like kind of have a little fling where you're like, is Muhammad Kudus going to be like the best midfielder in the world? Maybe he's 20 and plays for Ajax, but like probably not. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of a fun thing. I would say Kudis has been the guy I've been most impressed with that I didn't know a lot about going in. Anybody for you, Spencer, here as we get ready to wrap up? There's, like, one guy that really pops into my head, and he's not, like, a nobody. Like, I think you and I were both definitely familiar with him leading up to this tournament. But every time I see him at international tournaments, I'm like, you're really good, aren't you? Really like, good. Yeah. I-, I can't believe you're still... And this is not anything against Borussia Mönchengladbach. They're quite a good club. But Jan Sommer is like Jan a Sommer, really good it. keeper, dude. He's a yeah, really man. good keeper. He's just like, you remember that, that game earlier this year, I believe it was, against Bayern? He stopped like 19 shots or 19 something. Shots. And he's, he's decent with his feet, better than I kind of would think. Yeah. And he's a great shot stopper, it seems like. I don't know. I just every time I watch him play, I'm like, this guy is way better than I think anybody gives him credit for. He he's the goalie, I think, that feels the most like an NHL goalie who might get hot here and lead Switzerland out of this group and through a couple rounds. Um, just because his team, not to say the Swiss are bland, but it's kind of a bland team. They're good in defense, they're okay in attack, and sometimes he's got to stand on his head, man. He's as much as like a goalie can be fun to watch, I, I agree with you. Like Jan Sommer's been a very good goalie for a long time. But if you play for Borussia Mönchengladbach in Germany, it's like you're not getting all the pub all the time, right? And have him come and show out at a big tournament is 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 fantastic. Yeah, and I don't know. I just every time I see him play, it just always seems to surprise me that he's hasn't gotten a big move to like the Premier League or something. Or if nothing else, like Burn Leno. Like Burn Leno went from Leverkusen to Arsenal a while back. It doesn't even have to be necessarily to a huge team. Like you see a bunch of these newly promoted teams, like they go crazy on signing these higher end keepers and stuff. Sometimes I just I'm surprised he stayed at Muchen Gladbach. I guess is all I'm saying for as long as he has. Yeah. Not to say which is, which is a good German team. We're not hundred percent. It's not dis- it, It's not. I'm not dismissing them whatsoever. It's just a lot of guys from Germany, aside from like a Manuel Neuer. They've, you know, gone and they've challenged themselves like a Ter Stegen or uh, like a Leno. Like I said, they've they've moved on and kind of tried their luck at other places at bigger, quote, bigger clubs. And he's still kicking around at Mushin Gladbach and he's still doing it for them as far as I can tell. And he's always doing it for Switzerland when he pulls on that kit. Oh, yeah, man. He's he's the Swiss Superman. Spencer, unless we unless you got anything else, man, I think it's probably more than about time for us to wrap it up here. Um anything else you want to get into before we before we get out of here? Um just the fact that you guys should follow us on Twitter because we're yes, funny. Please. We're really funny. And yeah, that's all I really got to say. Follow us on there. Follow the pod 
because I think we're funny on here too. And we got great <laughs> insight. And where else are you getting this? Probably a few other places, but not from this crazy American perspective. I don't think you are. So give us a follow. Give us a like, rate, review, all that good stuff. Help us be seen. Help us blow up. And if you do that, we're going to keep coming back at you. We'll be back with you tomorrow for that tomorrow. U.S. reaction pod. And then I believe we'll probably be back on Friday to enter, to uh, do a little preview of the knockout rounds, Andrew. So keep refreshing those feeds because we're going to keep coming at you like a Serbian attack against a weak Cameroon back line. We're going to keep coming at you. And it might be enough to get you going there. That's going to be it here today for the Fish and Fries pod. We hope you join us again tomorrow for the USA versus Iran reaction. Spencer, appreciate it, buddy. Take it easy, pal. Talk to you tomorrow, hopefully in a good mood. Oh, please. It'll be a great podcast either way. That's all I can say. (laughs) It'll be a podcast. (laughs) Later, buddy. See you, man.